Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Now we're taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Woo! What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Back on the boulevard Tuesday, April 18th, as always, here to prove to you there is no such thing as football season. Now, before we do anything tonight, something difficult to acknowledge, Chris Smith, defensive lineman for the Seattle Sea Dragons, most importantly, a father of three children, uh, gone just a few months after his 31st birthday. Uh, really a terrible loss, again, for the XFL family. I think a lot about Ben Siegfried, uh, the St. Louis team trainer, earlier in the year, and this is just another gut punch, and more so for Smith's children and his family. Um, no doubt in my mind that the Seattle Sea Dragons will be finishing the rest of the season for Big 42. Uh, he was a veteran presence on the inside of that line, and it's heartbreaking that the roller coaster that they've gone through, beating St. Louis and now losing a teammate, um, rest in peace, Chris Smith, and our thoughts and prayers are with his family in the XFL and outside off the field as well. We have 36 games down and seven games to go, which means we've officially reached the final week of the XFL regular season here on a Tuesday after I spent my Monday in the sky and on the road. I think I've eaten more meals at gas stations than most people do in their entire life in the last nine weeks. Um, For the players, they've said, That X, right, represents the intersection of dreams and opportunity. I think for me, it has represented the intersection of powdered eggs at the day's end and getting patted down through TSA, which have become two of my favorite things when I'm on the road. We love the Boulevard Bowl Tour. Listen, it's truly what we live for here on Spring Ball Boulevard, and we aren't done yet. A few more trips to take as the postseason comes up. You know who else isn't done yet? Those Seattle Sea Dragons. And now I'm joined on Victory Tuesday by the producer, director, and owner of the humble abode we call Studio Z, Chris Zook. Zook, my reality set in a little bit yesterday morning when I was on my flight that it looks like we could have an extra punishment on our hands, and this time a playoff punishment. Correct. If DC meets Seattle, it'll be the third meeting between us this year. You've got Vegas, so you and Mikey Manziel pitted against each other this week. So potentially back-to-back punishments if things shake out your way. Are you worried about that? I'm not worried at all. I'm about as worried as I was again uh, at the St. Louis game. Right. And we know how confident I was in that, right? It's a shame, too, that we don't have a St. Louis fan on the cast. If we would have added one in, that would have been fun for you. Uh, I did send plenty of text messages out after the game. so You do know a couple of Battlehawk fans we'll, we'll I, just put, I, who I, will not be named, but they're watching. You know who you are. I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even talk a ton of smack either. I just sent, call, call. And I'm surprised how humble you've been at the open of this show because there are a few things you said that I thought you were absolutely crazy that we'll get to when we get to that recap that actually were true. And uh, it's really tough to admit when Zook is right. So we'll get to that later. On tonight's show, the Dragons are now in the driver's seat for the two seed in that XFL North. Is Jim Hazlitt's squad still totally in control of their own destiny, though? Or are there some things they have to worry about? Can't just win. Other things have to happen. 
But the defense played the best game of the season in the Dome. They're going to have to match that effort against Vegas in Week 10. We also know the defenders and the Roughnecks clinched a home playoff game. And Arlington shocked us, played their best game of the season offensively. How that Houston-Arlington matchup in Week 10 might have more implications than just the XFL South. I know, it sounds crazy. But that game is actually going to matter for the North race as well. Getting into that, all your tiebreaker Tuesday talk. I'm on to my last brain cell trying to figure this out. And I have a migraine during the show because of what I went through today to dissect this tiebreaker. But we have it for you. And I'm going to try to give it to you in the simplest way possible. But I promise you, it's different than what the XFL is telling you. It's different than what ESPN told you. There is more to unpack, so please stay tuned for Tiebreaker Tuesday. Another edition of the Power Poll, usually on a Tuesday, we've realized now, hey, one through eight in our rankings don't really matter anymore because we're getting into the postseason. So now we can scrap that and just talk about our XFL standings, which we can go right into, Zook. We have XFL standings every show to give you. Obviously, drop us a like on the video, subscribe to the channel. Uh, episode 18 on the 18th. They also have Man to Man with Mikey Manziel coming up. We have DC at 8 and 1. They have clinched a home playoff game and the one seed playoff football back in the district with a nail biter over Arlington. We told you, St. Louis and Seattle were going to finish the season 7 and 3, and they are one game away from doing so. Vegas drops to 2 and 7. Rod Woodson has begun to talk about the offseason in the press conference, so it looks like he's committed to year two. Uh, anything could happen. Houston has clinched a home playoff game, although Arlington and San Antonio still have some things to play for uh, that we're going to get into a little bit later. But the short version of it is you could get a four and six team in the playoffs over a seven and three team, which nobody wants to see, but it could happen that way. Orlando has fallen to one and eight after a tough uh, battle with those San Antonio Brahmas. Sixth stop of the Boulevard Bowl Tour went to a hot, sweaty, humid Houston, Texas. I was standing on the field before kick. It felt like I was about to melt into the turf at TDECU Stadium, which I learned on Saturday is affectionately referred to as the rig, which is really cool. I like the nickname for the stadium. Big shout out to the Roughnecks staff. This is a quality venue that the Roughnecks play in and and share with the Houston Cougars. Um, I love the press box in St. Louis because it's that open air. You're inside. You don't have to sit behind a window. But if there was a close second, it was Houston. Sitting behind the window as far as an outdoor venue goes, great view of the entire stadium. Really enjoyed that. Uh, We did make it back down to field level for another late Vegas push. It felt like a repeat of what was happening in St. Louis. But Jalen McClendon's pass to Matthew Sexton fell incomplete in the end zone as time expired. And Houston held on. They clinched the one seed in the XFL South. By the way, I understand that this is the first year of this league. But can we get away from saying, we're XFL South champs, we're XFL North champs? That didn't happen yet. (laughs) You've clinched a one seed, Houston, and I'll even say it for DC. We are not XFL North champions yet. We've clinched a one seed in the playoffs. That's going to happen coming forward here. There's no regular season titles when it comes to this. I don't think anyway. But what do we know about Houston? They covered. This number closed at six and a half. Rod Woodson choosing to play the numbers game down the stretch. We asked them about it in the press conference. I think they went down four when they scored late in the fourth quarter. He chooses to go for two, which I thought was strange because you go for one, you make it a three-point game. In this situation, 
you could potentially kick a game-tying field goal. So I, I'm not sure exactly what he was looking at there, but it was a numbers game that he was playing. He was trying to win it instead of tie it, which I understand at this point in the season, you're playing for the win, not the tie. But it was a tough situation in that game, and it, it really came down to the fact that Houston got that late field goal. Um, so Vegas plus six and a half, I feel like a lot of you were on and it was a bad beat, uh, for a few reasons. Number one, because Vegas scored three offensive touchdowns versus Houston's two. <sighs> I mean, the Houston defense, the roughnecks just continue to ride that Wade Phillips and Brian Stewart unit to wins two major stories on both sides for me here for Vegas. Uh, it's really summed up by one stat. This game marked the fifth time this season that they scored first and held either a first quarter or first half lead. They're 0-5 in those five games. Ironically enough, the two games they won this season against San Antonio and Orlando, they trailed. They did not score first in either of their wins. So on the other side for Houston, it's the defense. I don't know how much I can talk about it. It was very clear when Vegas lost their starting left tackle, Jamil Demby, to an injury, that that Houston unit, which leads the league in sacks, was going to eat up, and they ate the Vegas front alive. DeAndre Johnson blew by the backup left tackle, got home to Jalen McClendon, stripped him, Tavante Beckett scoops it up, takes it back for six. Shortly after halftime, Ajane Harris goes toe-to-toe with the big guy on the playground, Martavis Bryant. The guy who's probably got, what, six inches and 30 pounds on him, steals his lunch money, goes and cashes it in for a hot meal. I don't know what Martavis Bryant was doing there. That was really tough to watch. And you got to credit Ajane Harris there, but that was really hard to watch live. Just him get stripped like that, just grabbed his lunch money from him. And I don't think Brian Stewart really gets talked about enough. We nominated him, the Houston defensive coordinator, for one of our midseason honors for the no respect category because he wasn't getting any. He needs to be talked about more. Doing a phenomenal job and carrying this unit to wins. They've managed the last few weeks without Tim Ward, who was their, I think, leading leader in sacks. Trent Harris, another one who was out early in the year. Now he's back. Sean Davis, the safety, was out for the year. Emmanuel Ellerby was missing at times. So, It didn't matter. They got four sacks. They scored twice. They carried Houston to home field. And all I can take away from this is that the air raid is broken on the offensive side of the ball. They are in a three-game slump that, when you look at the numbers, is really hard to fathom. They are averaging 119 pass yards the last three games. Let that sink in for what they did at the beginning of the season. 119 pass yards the last three games. Completion percentage equally awful. The last two games for Brandon Silvers, 33 for 63. 52% since coming back off the injury to his tricep. They also haven't had a receiver crack 50 yards since week six in D.C. Silvers, four picks the last two weeks, each of them becoming more difficult to watch consistently throwing balls into double and triple coverage and having miscommunications with his receivers. And listen, he's shown that he's capable of making throws inside of this offense. He's shown arm strength. He's shown accuracy. It's just not consistent enough. 
He's not putting it together enough. And especially since John Trey Kirkland went down for the year, I saw some of you saying John Trey Kirkland MVP case is strengthening. Yeah, it sure is. Have not been good offensively. And although the run game showed some flashes, got to give it to Bryson Alleen, somersault into the end zone, great player. Max Borgie getting some work done. I think he had like 74 yards rushing. The receivers have just not been up to par. They tried to replace Kirkland with a combination of Ja'Cory Roberson and Michael Bandy. Neither of those guys have worked out. And I'll say it, the offense has lost their identity, and I still think it will lose them an XFL title. I truly think they were good enough at one point this season, but they have lost their identity offensively, and I understand that defense wins championships. You cannot expect your defense to score twice a game especially when you're playing against the XFL North, those high-flying offenses. So Houston holds on to win. Credit to them. They will host a playoff game. And we had more action on Saturday night, and the San Antonio Brahmas kind of showed us the first seven weeks of the season to stay far away as far as betting. Do not bet this team. You could never count on them to cover, right? It seemed to be the case. Well, they've now covered two weeks in a row. If you got the Brahmas where they opened, which was one and a half, I know it, Move late to two, but if you jumped on this early, you covered. Um, a lot of money on Orlando here. I picked them straight up. Credit to Zook, who didn't even mention. He also went four for four in his straight picks this week. So if you tailed Zook, you got an entry to our PS5 giveaway, which I wanted to mention early in the show. Only one person did this week yet again for the second straight week. So they must have tailed Zook because he was four for four. Credit him on the San Antonio look. Um, losing the best player proved to be too much of an obstacle to overcome for Orlando, who was out without Cody Latimer with a knee injury. And that Brahma's pass rush just seemed to eat Quentin Dormady alive. He was 9 of 17 for 47 yards. And the harshest reality of all that, that was somehow 22 less yards passing than the punter had. What can Brown do for you? Mac Brown came in. <laughs> Look at this. 69-yard bomb down the sideline. Katie Cannon snatches that thing out of orbit. And they got an 11-point lead because of it early in the second quarter. They, they went on to punch it in on this next play. I thought uh, an 11-point lead was frankly insurmountable for a San Antonio offense who has looked lifeless outside of week two against Orlando where they scored 30. It's apparently, the, the Guardians are the one opponent that the Brahmas decide to play well against. Um, Jack Cohn, quite the evening in the Alamo Dome. They were moaning for Cohn. 25 of 31 for 302 and a touchdown. We have some people in the chat who aren't going to like to hear that stat line. I'll tell you that. His best game of the year by a long shot. So we apologize to Jack Cohn for calling this the Paxton Lynch Bowl. It was not that. Paxton Lynch is a backup to Jack Cohn. And it seems like Nick Hawley really stepped up here. Remember the former Houston Roughneck? They dropped him. This guy was an XFL favorite going back to 2020. The former Kent State Golden Flash. Great story coming up. Four catches, 105 yards. He wants Houston. That's what Nick Hawley wants. He wants to play this team into the playoffs and go right up against Houston who cut him. That would be a great story if so. Jaquez Patrick continued to rack up the box score, 130 all-purpose, got him involved in the pass game at 250 pounds or whatever he is. Um, but <laughs> I got to admit, 
I'm a little salty with how good this Brahma's defense has been these last two weeks, right? Because I bet on this team once the entire season, week seven at Vegas, where they decided to put up the lone stinker they had in all nine games. What's against Vegas? Uh, is it Mizuk? Am I the one who keeps screwing these teams up? Maybe I'm the jinx. They've been dominant, guys. They have the league's number one scoring defense. Drew Beasley, Delonte Scott, once again, phenomenal in that front four. Jordan Williams, the quarterback of the defense, he's going to be in the NFL. Speaking of Jordan Williams, leading the league with 82 tackles, 20 more than second place, also leads the league in TFLs. What a, what a season for Williams. 11 tackles he had Saturday night. Run defense, a little shaky. Devin Darrington racked up 133 yards and Nah, he's been boomer bust all year. Seems like with Darrington, you either get 100 plus easily or like 20. But Darrington was good. He had like 8.3 yards of carry, kept Orlando in it. <laughs> but we really can't say enough how glorious that fake punt was. Mac Brown, Katie Cannon, play of the year in the XFL candidate for sure. I think that thing glazed the roof of the Alamo Dome and got thrown up so high. There's some damn good kickers and punters in this league. I've seen kickers down the stretch here. It was, it was rough to start. Kickers down the stretch here have been hitting 53, 54. We've seen a 59. Matt McCrane had a 63 against Orlando. That was razor thin. Just missed. These kickers are better than you think, and the punters are now out here throwing dimes. The St. Louis punter, Hoffrichter, did it last week. Now you got Mac Brown out here. Pat McAfee. We need him in the XFL. Don't know if it'll ever happen. I think he's retired, but that'd be cool to see. Anyway, biggest story from this one, the Brahmas at 3-6. and six have managed to be one win and one Arlington loss away from a playoff bid. Well, the problem is they got a D.C. defender squad rolling in that is certainly going to want to break in that Alamo Dome turf for their May 13th visit coming up. So be careful. And Zook's holding in his laugh over there. It's true. They're going to want to break that turf in. It's almost like a walkthrough, Zook. So I wouldn't want to be San Antonio going up against D.C. But they are. They're one win and one Arlington loss away from getting in the playoffs. I think The Rock would love that. I, I still think he's kind of a closet Promise fan. By the way, what happened on Twitter? We got a quote tweet from Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Can, can we give ourselves a round of applause here, Zuck on the Boulevard? I mean... I have to look at it and, and almost double take because of, of how much I idolize this guy growing up watching WWF through the Attitude Era, watching all of his movies. He buys my favorite professional football league. And now <laughs> we got a quote tweet and shout out The Rock on Twitter. It wasn't just us. It was everybody. All the people that we love on XFL Twitter were getting love. I saw my boy Nate. Got a quote tweet. Maybe some of you in the chat got a quote tweet. The Rock was on top of it, and I think I know why. There might have been another league that we refer to here as the B League that kicked off last weekend, so The Rock might have been just that more active on social media than he usually is. And hey, I don't blame him for it. The XFL is here to stay. Maybe we'll get The Rock on the show one day, Zook, but can't have his Brahmas beat my defenders. Well, that's the Saturday games. Make sure you drop us a like on the channel. 
like on the channel and subscribe to the video. Just, you see, I told you guys that I'm backwards today because I dove into the absolute weeds of the XFL tiebreaker situation for the North. And I don't know if I'll ever recover from the absolute spin zone that it put me in. So without further ado, Zook, I think we're just going to let Mikey Manziel talk for 10 to 15 minutes. And I'm going to gather myself so that when we come back from break, I can properly deliver this information. So enjoy Man to Man with Mikey Manziel. We'll be right back on Spring Ball Boulevard. nine xfl football i'm mikey manzel and this is man to man and again my heart is ripped out of my chest first game of the uh, of the week and i'm thinking we're getting a dub they come out and so what what happened with vegas i mean i, I mean what what can i what can i do to buy a win here i don't know man this is two weeks in a row they had it well in hand and uh self-inflicted wounds well, just killed him. I don't know what to say. Speaking of self-inflicted wounds, Seattle didn't have any today. Uh, we had a pick late. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who else had a self-inflicted wound? It was Maddie Maddie Fresh down in Houston? My God, he Facetimed me at two in the morning. Just, just. It, it, uh, hey, let's get let's get to the games. I, I I can't I can't today. Man, what a, what an exciting week! But we had this is this is what I'm talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, Vegas in the first half, these past couple games have given me a glimmer of hope of what this team could really achieve. And, you know, McLennan has really, really developed this team and they have been a big first half team. I mean, look at look at this play selection here on a third and short. I mean, what a play call. What 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 recognition from the quarterback to see man to man do a little bit misdirection with the running back out of the backfield. I really thought they would keep with these shorter passes, just really relying on on the defensive front to to make decisions and just look. I mean, they're they were just shredding them the whole first quarter. Read options, RPOs, um, just misdirection all over the place. You know, they're gonna get the ball back here. It, it, it's just they were driving this full first half. I really, really thought they had something. McClendon really was making plays with his with his legs and his head. I mean, a good pass here to Gmo. That's all because of him buying time, slipping it out. That's that's just recognition of what what he what he was doing. Play playing on his feet. I mean, you can't ask for more. Should have been a late late hit too. He took a big shot to the back. But again, I mean, they get they get a they get a touchdown here. Sin Q gets in there. I, I just I really thought that Vegas was gonna really blow this open. I was in Matt's DMs again. I was on Twitter and lo and behold, right here is how every week ends for Viper Nation. What the hell is going on? They start off so good, Zook, and then they just, they just stop. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. You, you can't dominate that well and then just 28 to 21. Like there was no, I, I, like there was no fluff. I, I'm not even gonna fluff this for you. Defensive, f 
for, for Houston scored twice. Brandon Silvers was doing pretty much absolutely everything to give Vegas the win. And what happens, Zook? They turn the ball over and give points away. I'm here again with the fat L on my forehead, and there's a song like that. But let's get into the next one. I can't. I, can't. I drank too much of that game. Let, let's get on to the next one, please. San Antonio and Orlando. And look at this Mosh job, right? This guy just babies the corner. I mean, look at him. He looks like a, a, a damn left tackle playing tight end and wide receiver. Split him out, and then look at what they do. They split him out again on the two-point conversion here. And they got the same matchup. What play do you think they're going to run, Zook? You already know what they're going to do. They're already, they already know. Boom. They got man-to-man -man coverage. I'm, I know what I'm doing. I'm throwing them the same ball. Guy fouls him this time. He mosses him again. And he just stands there and looks at him. And he's like, what are you thinking? Look at this. I mean, this is, this is beyond me. I would have gave him help. I, I mean, this this guy, I would have gave him water on the sideline and I would have said, hey, kid, don't quit your day job. You got mossed twice. But what can I say? And, and Zook, can you pause this? I, I, I just want to let everybody know this is a punter. This isn't a quarterback. This is the punter in the XFL for Orlando. He threw this ball from the 13-yard line. Zook, go ahead. He, he guns this from the 13-yard line. Guy catches it at the 40-yard line, the opposite 40. He threw a dot. That's the best throw probably by a Guardians quarterback before Dormandy, Normandy, baby. I mean, just watch this replay from, from the bird's eye view. He takes this and throws this like he's in World War II. Boom. Look, it doesn't come down. Boom. Catches Moss. I can't believe this guy didn't score. He had every angle, but got caught. I mean, what an actual dime. And Moan for Cone was throwing dots today. Let me tell you what, this is a prime example of what the running game can do for you. It just freezes people for a split second, opens up the middle of the field, easy pitch and catch. I mean, if teams could do this all the time, it, no one would have a, have a job controversy. Um, but Cone really, really, really was playing good football. They got the running game going, and, and just like that, this is a ball game. I was really big on San Antonio going into this year, Rey Mysterio making an appearance on, on, on film. And and again, look at these throws by my bone for Cone. Just deep ball, this is a dot, again, getting them in there. I, I mean, what the running game can do for you to open the passing game, it is it is brilliant, and, and it's, it, it's, it's like watching, you know, Disney on ice. They never mess up if the running game is going. Every team in in the the world, if they run the ball, passing game should be 100% great. Again, this play here makes you realize how much you either love football or hate football as a quarterback. These are the easy gimmies. They're zero blitz, man up. This guy is running a crossing pattern with the opposite safety trying to play him. It's just a quick little, little pitch and catch. Um, Guy missed the tackle. It's a touchdown. And we got ourselves a ball game. San Antonio is playing good football. They covered. They got the dub. And most importantly, they filled my pockets with money. And that's what we're here for. Winning bets. I mean, unlike Matty Fresh, they don't really let me put all my bets on, on here. They, they put up my, my Vegas bet, and they always want me to lose. I'm a diehard. 
if you if you if you follow me on Twitter, I do have 10 followers, by the way, um, which is kind of funny to me and ironic that whenever my segment comes up on a Monday or Tuesday, our viewers on YouTube go go up. I don't know if it's because they don't like Matt or it's because they, they love watching me. So do, do you know why? Does it does it show you or do you know? Do you have any reason why? Unfortunately, I'm not seeing the analytics on this, so I'm no I'm 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 of no help. I'm no numbers guy, but 12 is less than 21, isn't it? <laughs> I do want to say one thing. <laughs> this <laughs> the uh, Vipers uh, Renegades game or the Vip the Vegas Houston game in Orlando San Antonio game. I felt like I was watching the same exact game, right? I mean, what a first first half for Orlando and Vegas, and it just it just imploded for both teams. It felt right. I, I mean, you can't script it any better than that. The Rock, hey, you're, you're retweeting Matty Fresh. Um, I want to challenge you to an arm wrestling contest sometime whenever I meet you. Um, I got guns too, baby. But anyway, let's get to this game. DC and Arlington. I thought this was going to be a blowout. I know Matt did, and, and Zook kind of thought so too, but this was a barn burner, and again, another team that that runs the ball very well, and, you know, these play action just freezes up, you know, space just a tad bit for, for Tamu, um, getting a little curl route out, and here it is again. I mean, you can't, you cannot take away all the passing if you're running the ball well, and that's what, that's what DC does to you. I mean, they are just very, very good at just manipulating the field and manipulating defenses. And I mean, that's that's what we're here for. My, my man, Tamu, again, play action. This is a beautiful, beautiful pitch and catch. Wide receiver plays it perfect, gives the quarterback three and a half, four yards on the outside. Quarterback drops it straight in to where the wide receiver can only catch it. Great adjustment, great pitch and catch. And again, off of the play action, you, you can't, you cannot script this any better. That is DC at their finest. Um, Jordan just throwing dots. What a what a what a pitch and catch there. Let's go on to it, Zook. Let's get on to the next one here. There is another quarterback in DC as well. Um, but may I add that was throwing dimes. But Seattle, St. Louis. They called this play Cowboy, and if you don't know why, they they draw it out in, in Cowboy Land. And here it is, a misdirection by Seattle getting Phillip Lindsay on the edge. Um, they're just causing havoc in the middle. Linebackers weren't able to get across. Um, great play. And, and this is something for St. Louis that I really thought that they were going to continue doing is attacking the outside here. They were playing man up on Aitman and these guys. Um, here you can just see they were just – he was just uh, brutalizing them. And I know Zook was mad. Um, I don't know what happened. After this play right here – St. Louis went away from went away from that. I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what adjustment Seattle made or what adjustment St. Louis didn't do, but they just stopped attacking, you know, the outside of the field, and they were really just working on these screen passes that they just weren't weren't doing doing anything. And I, I, Zook was happy. I know that. Um, ben Denucci, he this was his game to where I thought a ton of times here he was going to bounce out like this is a sack. It was going to be third and long here, you know. He just showed Moxie. It's fourth and one, same drive. And, you know, when you have Josh Gordon and you have man on coverage, if you're not taking this shot 10 out of 10 times, you don't deserve to play quarterback in this league if you have these guys on your team. I mean, it's just easy. It's automatic at this point. 
we've watched it all year. Pitch and catch with Seattle. Josh Gordon knows that he doesn't have to make 12 catches a game for him to make an impact in this league. You know, two or three catches, he normally takes the double. Here he didn't, and, and you would be dumb to not take this shot with him. Um, it, it just shows you, you know, how versatile this, this man is in this league. Um, I mean, if he doesn't get back in the NFL, I know he will be the face of the XFL. And then here, I mean, you take a big sack, Ben DiNucci gets a little banged up, and he comes back and he's running side and throws it across the field like it's nothing, touchdown. And, I mean, you can't make this up. DiNucci out-dueled my man AJ, and I have to be the first to say it. And here's another another instance of where I thought Ben DiNucci was dead in the rights. They are going to stall. The drive was going to end. And, you know, he just he just found a way and this way went to my man peasy and one of the best most electrifying players this year and look at this this is a single-handedly beating the whole defense and scoring a touchdown i mean what a great great tape he has for for nfl teams next year um you know if if someone doesn't give him a shot i, I don't know what you need to prove in this league for that he has done pretty much everything for seattle this year possession and he he is not a big guy but man does he play with and and, and with a fire lit under him um i mean this this play which he does all the time it seems i i just sometimes it blows my mind of how some of these guys were overlooked or what what was what was the the reasoning behind not not making it to that next level i'm glad we have this xfl um i love football um you know this has been so much fun to do um, I, I get to express and, and pay money to Maddie Fresh to be on this show, and that's how much I love football. Um, you know, I hope I hope everyone had a great XFL football weekend. But this is me from Studio Z. I'm Mikey Manzel, and this was Man to Man. Thank you. Sorry, I just spent the last 10 minutes carrying a few ones, dotting some I's and crossing some T's because we got tiebreaker Tuesday. And, you know, let's just get into the games before we do it. I'll explain it when we get there. <laughs> it's going to be a fun ride. 18,864, the record crowd in Audi Field Sunday afternoon. Another beautiful day at the Navy Yard. The D.C. Defenders improved to 8-1 and one on the season and promise playoff football back in the district in just two short weeks. Great vibes all around, even if you just wanted to go celebrate the sale of the Washington Commanders. Uh, they had the official ceremony <laughs> at Audi Field, uh, especially for the first 35 minutes of football. The vibes were great, and I won't lie, when D.J. Swearinger two-spooned that mint chocolate chip right out of Luis Perez's ice cream dish, like we've seen in so many times in Audi Field this year, it just going right back down towards the snake. I called it. I called the cover. I cashed a ticket before the money was in my hand. You're up 17. You got the crowd rocking. The snake is well past section 137, making a hard left at the top of the stands. And what proceeded to happen for the next 25 minutes concerned me a bit as a D.C. fan. Luis Perez refused to let that be the moment that he went out. And I have to give him respect for that. He's already suffered through hell in this environment, losing to D.C. as the quarterback of the Vegas Vipers back in week four. 
where he battled there too and took a tough loss. And this Arlington defense was really helping him out down the stretch here. They lead the league in takeaways, and I knew they were going to get theirs. They have been doing it all season. Even against a team who arguably takes care of the ball better than anybody in the XFL, Arlington was still able to force two turnovers. Joe Powell got a pick six of his own to match DJ Swearinger. Now it did get called back to the 30. Wasn't Powell's fault. Uh, There was a block there at the end of the return. They scored anyway. They pull within 11 to start the fourth quarter. You got like 12 minutes left in the game if you're DC. You're up two scores. And the coaching staff did the right thing by bringing De'Ara King into the, into the football game. I would have done the same thing. I've said it all season. If you're up and you need to chew clock, he's the guy. In fact, earlier in this game, in the first half, right before halftime actually, he put on a clinic in the past game. King was 4 of 6, 65 yards, and a touchdown pass to Lucky Jackson. So anyone who doubted his ability to start a drive from his own 20-yard line and, and utilize that short pass game and not just be boxed into that running quarterback, they were proven wrong. He silenced those doubters, and, and I don't know if I've ever truly seen a worse play from De'Eric King to what happened at the end. It was tough. Um, it was third and 10 inside the 30. You got five minutes to play. He tried to, to fit it through two D linemen. Seemed like the ball got tipped and fell right into the hands of Colin Schooler. And that was a real turning point that gave Arlington life. Uh, what transpired with Luis Perez in the last moments of this game, I, I wanted to hate it so badly, right? Because here he is against my favorite team. And I've also got DC minus eight and a half. And he was making a complete joke of my best bet, making me realize I should have never laid the points in this spot. I wanted to hate it, but I kind of, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I'm sorry, guys. What Luis Perez was able to do. He trailed by 11 points with four minutes left. He led his team down the field. He draws a DPI to keep him alive. They're still down 11. 90 seconds left in this damn game. Down 11. They score. He finds Tyler Vaughn's on the two-point conversion, made it a three-point game. And then on fourth and 15. You see that? This man goes full Johnny football on us. He evades the rush, runs into his left guard, seems like he has one arm completely tied behind his back, and finds Sal Canella for a 25-yard miracle. And (laughs) that play is going in the XFL Hall of Fame. Just an incredible play. And even if they did lose in overtime, Perez, 31 of 41, 335 passing yards and a touchdown. But the story here again was the D.C. defenders, defense, and Greg Williams. Danucci, McCarron, Perez, now a combined 0-7 against D.C. And not just that, they've thrown six interceptions combined Three of them, one from each quarterback, taken back to section 137 and the snake. Truly been a quarterback's worst nightmare. And when the D.C. defenders host the XFL North Championship game on April 30th, that will not change. Perez, great game statistically, but this is where good quarterbacks go and have their worst game of the season, right? Perez, give them credit. Other quarterbacks have come in. It's been a struggle. So I don't expect that to change. 
too much. And and the pick sixes have been just so fun to watch. Even back to 2020, this used to happen in Audi Field. So Arlington, 0 for 3 on their tries in overtime. Great defensive stand. Davin Bellamy sticks the big bear paw out. What a play from him. He's been excellent all year. And we have to give a shout out to Josh Hammond, who had five catches for something like 75 yards, a touchdown, and the game winner. Josh Hammond sat back while Chris Blair and Lucky Jackson, who had a two-touchdown game silently on Sunday afternoon, Josh Hammond sat back and said, hold my beer and watch this. I'm going to be wide receiver one this week. He's always been capable of it, and number zero broke out in a great way and, and was a lot of the reason that D.C. hung on here. It was a tough one. I don't cover eight and a half. Kicking myself for it. But how do you fade a team that was 7-1 and one against the spread? You just don't. So the next one is what surprised me. And as you can imagine, I'm feeling pretty good on Sunday afternoon. It was a great day in Houston, beautiful weather. I just watched D.C. wrap up home field advantage. And I noticed, huh, every single over this weekend has hit up to this point. And I'm on the over 46 as my best bet, my play of the week. <sighs> I watched offenses that have been doo-doo, for a lack of a better word. Houston, Arlington, San Antonio, all find a way to score 25-plus in Week 9. So certainly the St. Louis Battlehawks, who have the most experienced and talented quarterback in the league, would do the same. Not quite. Not even going up against a pass defense that seemed like they gave up 500 yards through the air against D.C. the week before. So full disclosure here, I'm convinced I will never win an XFL total. And I'll give it to you. I'm 0-5 with totals. This is supposed to be a betting show. What have I done with this XFL totals? I'm a complete disaster in this category. And it's the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. And yet, here I go, back to the total. But I'm, am I really insane for this over? Am I insane for thinking that arrested A.J. McCarron was going to play better against a Seattle defense? St. Louis put up 12. 12! Their lowest output of the season. Actually, only the second time all year they scored less than 20 when I bet the over. Seattle was given up 25 and a half a game in the division. 12. It didn't matter. None of the numbers mattered because a Seattle defense bounced back. They knew it was not their best effort against D.C. They were missing tackles. They played soft. And look what happened. They weren't going to let it happen again. They hit hard. They flew around. They found the ball. This is really the same way they looked against Houston. I, I found it like to be a comparable effort, but almost better. And they held the Roughnecks scoreless through 59 minutes in that game, which shocked me as well. Also had the over there. What a, what a master class, though, from Ron Zook this was. Um, Bryce Thompson just shadowing Darius Shepard, just up in his grill the whole game, laid a couple big hits on him. Tisdale, Lalos, Skipper. Dominating in the front seven, brutalizing the, the St. Louis front. 
AJ kind of looked like an absolute shell of himself, and that was not a good time for him to do so because on the other side, Ben Denucci was arguably playing the best football of his entire career. Jacor Pearson, Heisman moment. 68-yard touchdown against the number one pass defense in the XFL. And look at this. I counted five that missed him. They actually had an extra defensive back on the field because it was third and 15. They had the nickel out there. And if you slow that thing down, he made all five of them miss. One guy. I want to make a case for Abram Smith to be the MVP. I really do. But after watching something like this, I mean, it's chalk. Jacor Pearson to the NFL. Peasy and his boy VC making it look easy. Two touchdown passes from Ben Danucci, one each for them. And <laughs> TJ Hammonds, 8.4 yards a carry. He's a wide receiver playing running back. Everything went right for Seattle. Danucci showing off the dual threat ability. Yet again, as he has been all year. And, and the, the, the Seattle Sea Dragons, as much as it pains me to say, are in the driver's seat for the playoffs. And, and don't give me this garbage. A win is a win. This, what they did in front of 33,000 people in St. Louis, is far more impressive than St. Louis beating them week two. I know. It doesn't matter because the, the standings, they don't give a team an eye test like the sports books and the odds makers do. They don't care about that analytics. It's just about tiebreakers and records, which we're going to get into. But I was wrong about the Sea Dragons. They're for real. And, and they lit up a, a pretty good defense for 371. Only turned it over once. Uh, I said a couple weeks ago they can only score 40-plus yard touchdowns. Well, they also silenced me there, punching in three times from the red zone. Seattle fans must have loved that. And a defense that I kind of doubted could hang with, with all these great wide receivers that St. Louis has and A.J. McCarron coming back. And, and they neutralized Brian Hill. He had five carries, 11 yards, easily his worst effort of the year. No catches from Hill. So Jim Hazlitt, June Jones, Ron Zook, I can't forget my boy Coach Fly from Penn State, the linebacker coach there. You all get a helmet sticker. You had your players prepared for this moment. They played exactly how you'd expect the team in this spot to play. They survive in advance to week 10 where, believe it or not, it will again be more about the defense than it is about the offense. But they're playing good at the right time, peaking at the right time. They got four sacks this week. They held St. Louis to just 11 first downs. They created multiple turnovers. They flew to the ball. They were just hit-sticking people out there, and they needed every single one of it. Seattle Sea Dragons, one of the most impressive efforts of the year. Zook, I said we'd get to it in a little bit. Um, I do have to give you credit. I was hoping you were going to talk to me a little bit. Uh, you, you came on the show, and you made what I really thought was a brash statement yeah, he, last Thursday. You called it bold. And I wasn't the only one. We had a couple of YouTube commenters who also felt the same. They drug me through the mud, didn't they? And... Zook's wrong to again. Say, yeah. I to say Seattle was going to blow out St. Louis and for that to actually happen. <laughs> I mean, that's. So let me weigh in. Wow. <laughs> it could have been worse. Two touchdowns got called back due to penalty. 
and the game was a lot closer than the score reflects. So, yeah, 18 points blowout for this league is a you, blowout. You haven't league. seen it, but it's a lot closer. So, yeah. I'll take the credit, and I did call it. But I want to point out laser focus from everybody yeah. on that Sea Dragons no squad. Doubt. No doubt. I mean, PZ was like, "Get out of my face! I'll talk to you MVP. at the, uh, I'll talk to you at the end of the game. Like, yeah. I don't want to interview right now." He he played like his career was on the line, and everybody did. Yeah. You saw Danucci at the end of the game. It was. I it mean, was a, a guy much bigger than him and Silas Kelly. <laughs> I'm just going to lower the shoulder and run you over. I don't really care if you got 30 pounds of muscle on me. Yeah, and, and just look down at him like, eh. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> if they play with that kind of focus, it's a scary squad, man. It's scary. I worry that you've burned your best effort. I don't know. I'd, Every I'd, team has one in them. I'm looking at it this way. <clears throat> If they slide into the playoffs, yeah, which we're going to talk about here in a second, um, can't wait. If I'm a Pretenders fan like you are, I'm scared. I don't. I don't want to see them. I so like our. Well, I, before we get to it, we beat them twice already. Sure. And but who would you rather play right now? Tell me, who would you rather play? How much, honestly? And I know we're going to get in the weeds here, but let me just ask one more question and we'll wrap it up and go to tiebreak. Sure. How much value does that hold for you? If the DC defenders beat you twice in the regular season mm-hmm. and you win the XFL North championship game, because you know what you're going to hear. And it's not going to be from me because I get it right. I, you got to beat them three times. It, it happens in the NFL the same way. Sure. But this is a shorter season. You know what they're going to say to you. This ain't right. We beat you twice. We got the best of three. It doesn't matter. And, and we're looking at two losses with a combined uh, five-point advantage. <laughs> I think it's right? actually four. No, it, they, they lost by four oh, and they yeah, lost right. by one. Even, so yeah. we're looking at five points. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. And, you know, with five points in two games, that could break down to, what, three plays? Yeah. No, it definitely does, but there's it's been a not close series. You th- uh, we, we shouldn't write it off like it's going to be DC Seattle. I'm not. Let's get into I'm it here. Ju- I'm not <laughs> writing it off. I'm just saying Boy. it's a lot closer yeah. than everybody thinks, and that's all I'm pointing. Yeah, out. the most important part was the Seattle Sea Dragons saved their season, and they played exactly how they needed to to save the season, and it shows that they truly care about more than just what they're putting on film individually which I think has been a, a slight problem with the league this year. Obviously, you want that extra 1000 bucks in your paycheck, but it was more than the 1000 bucks for Seattle. It was the playoffs. It was the chance to represent the XFL North. And let's be honest, they want D.C. badly after what happened in Lemon Field week eight. But they're not going to get to play in Lemon Field. They're going to play in Audi Field. So now... On to the migraine-inducing portion of the show for all of you. Uh, We're not going to have a power poll because it's irrelevant. We're just going to go right into this. Tiebreaker Tuesday. Everybody take a deep breath with me. 
please keep your hands and feet in the vehicle and stay seated at all times for whatever this is about to be. Bear with me. Here it is. The situation between Seattle and St. Louis, who will both win, who will both be 7-3, and three, which means they will be deadlocked in the first four tiebreakers. If that happens. I know. We're going to get to the fourth tiebreaker and how this is all going to play together. But... If they both win, which we both expect them to win, I have here St. Louis is an eight-point favorite against Orlando. Seattle, eight-and-a-half-point favorite against Vegas. We expect them both to win. Actually, we've been expecting them both to be 7-3 and three for quite a while now. So, I read the tiebreaker from the XFL, officially, the situation. And... Many of you were tweeting it out and talking about it. First of all, ESPN did not necessarily have it right. What came from the league was correct, and they followed up and they corrected it. Now, there's more to what the league told you, which is that St. Louis needs to score 20 more points than Seattle this weekend. So if Seattle scored 20 against Vegas, St. Louis would have to score 40. That's what they're telling you. They're also telling you that St. Louis would have to remain number one in the XFL North in points against, which they currently are not. They're currently number two. So that was also a little weird to me, how that read. Maybe they were trying to say they have to get into first. We're going to break it down for you. Here's what I got. And we're going to give you examples in a second here. It's a combo of tiebreaker four and tiebreaker five that can get the St. Louis Battlehawks in the playoffs when both teams are seven and three. Hear me out. Sunday rooting guide for the Battlehawks. And and obviously you have to win Saturday. You need to remember the number of points the Orlando Guardians score against the St. Louis Battlehawks. That is the single most important thing this weekend. It matters none. How many points St. Louis scores? How many points Seattle scores? St. Louis is too far back. You cannot be 20 points behind the number one offense and expect that's a realistic path to get into the playoffs. No, there's another way. And it's how much Orlando scores. St. Louis has to clamp down on defense. I saw Trey Watson, the linebacker for the Battlehawks, quote tweet us, and, and he's like, oh, I want to see this. Yes, the defense must play well. You take that number of points that the Orlando Guardians score, and at this point, Zook, we're just going to show them an example of what, well, it, what it, it could potentially be. Before we get there, yeah. talk about the points for versus points against right. and how that if works. If people don't get that, right. Because so maybe it, I'm skipping it's that. a little confusing. So here's, here's maybe what I'm skipping if you don't know, which this is part of the actual language in the XFL tiebreaker four and five. In tiebreaker four, it is your combined ranking within the division in your points for versus points against for all nine games or all 10 games next week. So what that means is 
They take your points for ranking, which for Seattle currently in the division is two. They're behind DC. They take your points against ranking, which currently for Seattle is number one in the division. Two plus one is three. That we can do, right? Simple enough. Seattle's combined ranking in the division would be three. Okay? Here's the issue. In points four in that world, St. Louis is too far back from Seattle. They are 20 points back. Okay? It's too many points to make up. They've got to do their work in points against. So how does this work? Does that answer your question, Zook, by the way? I think the combined ranking thing is, is a little unclear to some, but I think that's yeah. it's, it's your points for rank plus your points against rank. Right. In one tiebreaker, it's just the division. In the next tiebreaker, it's the whole league, one through eight. Yeah, I think that's a little clearer. Okay. So we'll pull up the example, and let's walk you through how this can potentially work for St. Louis and Seattle. Because they are going to both finish 7-3. and three, And a lot of you are going to be sitting around thinking, well, who's going to make the playoffs? Well, we have what we think is a decent example for you. So again, single most important thing for St. Louis in their game on Saturday is not how many points they score. It's how many points Orlando scores. They have got to limit Orlando defensively. Take care of business. I'm going to guess and say 15 points is what the Guardians are able to put up against St. Louis. Could be more, could be less. Doesn't really matter right? We're just plugging 15 into the formula. Does not have to be a certain number or less. This is just for the example. So that happened Saturday. If you're a Battlehawks fan, this is your rooting guide on Sunday. Take care of business against Orlando. Have them score as little points as possible. On Sunday, the Houston-Arlington game is just as important as the Vegas-Seattle game, believe it or not. And the Houston-Arlington game is before the Vegas-Seattle game. You might ask, how does that work? Why does an XFL South game matter? Well, because in tiebreaker five, you rank teams one through eight in points for and points against. And it just so happens the Houston Roughnecks and Arlington Renegades are within one, two, or three points of each of the teams in our scenario. So yes, it does matter. On Sunday, if you're a St. Louis Battlehawks fan, you need the following. Houston needs to score six more points at least than Orlando. So in this scenario, we have Orlando at 15. Plug in any number you want, add six points. In this scenario, we have 22. If it's six points or more, that checks one box. We're on to the next box. Arlington needs to score two more points than Orlando. So take your Orlando points. Add two. We have 21. Checks the box. Then we move on to the nightcap, which a lot of people are thinking is the end-all be-all. Well, you still have to have some things happen in the Houston game. Obviously, if Seattle loses this game and St. Louis wins, it's obvious. We don't have to talk about that. We're talking about both teams winning and going 7-3, and and what do they have to score? Vegas needs to score seven more points than Orlando. Take your Orlando points, 15, add seven or more, bang. In this scenario, Vegas scores 28. That's seven more than 15. You check the box. Problem is, there's two more boxes still for St. Louis. Vegas also needs to score six more points than Houston. 
Take your 15, add six. You're there. Just barely, but you're there. So go ahead, jump in. I got one more quick. Let, let, me, let me finish up. Sure. And two more points in Arlington. Okay. So take your 21, add two. You're there with 28. So I want you to explain to me why we're talking about the fifth tiebreaker now yes. instead of talking about the fourth tiebreaker. Right. It's an important question. The XFL has addressed the fourth tiebreaker. In the fourth tiebreaker, the reason they are talking about St. Louis scoring 20 more than Seattle and that being the end-all be-all is because they're not necessarily looking at the fifth tiebreaker. They are ignoring the fact that the fourth tiebreaker can also be a tie, just like the first three. How would that be, do you ask? Well, like I just said, if the Vegas Vipers score seven more points against Seattle than the Orlando Guardians do against St. Louis, guess what happens? St. Louis leapfrogs Seattle in points against for the division putting them at number one in the division and Seattle at number two. Flip to points four. Seattle number two, St. Louis number three. Let's do some math. Three points for St. Louis, one points against St. Louis. Four for Seattle, two plus two, also four. Fourth tiebreaker, knotted up by seven points. Is it unrealistic to think that Vegas can outscore Orlando by seven points? Of course they can. It's a better offense from what I've seen. So they're ignoring that. I think this is going to get decided in the fifth tiebreaker. Now, to even answer more of your question, we don't want to be in a situation where we rely on the fourth tiebreaker and then we're all sitting around after the Vegas-Seattle game on Sunday night thinking, okay, Now we got to go back because we didn't realize Houston and Arlington mattered. Maybe I'm the first one to tell you Houston and Arlington matters in the fifth tiebreaker. Of course, if Vegas and Orlando are within four, five, six points of each other, anything less than seven, we have a scenario here that that happens in. And look, Seattle gets in on the fourth tiebreaker. But if you're a St. Louis fan, you don't want to hear that. You want to hear, how am I going to get in the playoffs? And maybe some players and coaches need to hear this as well. How am I going to get in the playoffs if, if we don't score 20 more than Seattle, which just seems unrealistic? Well, there's a way. Fifth tiebreaker, one through eight, not one through four. Right, so now we're dealing with bigger numbers. In the scenario we have in gray, St. Louis finishes the season second in points against. They finish the season fourth in points for. Two plus four is six. In this same scenario, Seattle finishes would be second in points for. The problem is they're fifth in points against because they gave up more to Vegas than Houston and Arlington did. So that puts them at fifth. Two plus five is seven. St. Louis combined ranking. We're playing golf here. Six is better than seven in golf. That's how St. Louis gets in the playoff, guys. So to reiterate, Battle Hawks fans, Battle Hawks players, coaches, fans of the league, this is a more realistic path for St. Louis to get in. Running through it again. Houston scores six more than Orlando. 
Arlington score two more than Orlando. Vegas score seven more than Orlando. Vegas score six more than Houston. Vegas score two more than Arlington. Those are low numbers, and those are doable. Remember, the Vipers put up 26 against Seattle the first time around. In the other scenarios, we talked about it a lot. In the middle, in orange, the reason Seattle gets in here, look at Orlando's point total, 15. It could be any number. Plug any number you want in there. Add 7. 22. Do not get there for Vegas. Therefore, the fifth tiebreaker does not even take into account. You got 21. Seattle's in. The third scenario gets weird. There is a possibility where Vegas can score seven more points, right, than Orlando. The problem is, in this scenario for St. Louis, who is going to be, by the way, the biggest Rod Woodson, uh, Ray Sherman fans of all time (laughs) this weekend, in this scenario, Vegas did not do enough to outscore Houston or Arlington, which propped up Seattle's points against and knocked St. Louis out of the playoffs. So, big picture here, you have three goals if you're a St. Louis Battlehawks fan this week. Number one, low points. Allow Orlando to score the lowest point total possible. Get them the zero. If you can, you need to kind of middle the Houston Arlington game, right? Because you're stuck in a situation where you also need Vegas to outscore Houston by six and Arlington by two. So you don't want those two teams to necessarily go off against each other either. You need kind of a 22 21. That's why we use this as the example. I kind of played off the over under for this game and the spread, which is one. And lastly, you need Vegas to win, of course, because you want to just knock Seattle out. But if they don't win, which, let's be honest, they probably won't, need them to score some points and a loss. I'm going to say it. 24 Vegas Vipers points get St. Louis in. Because I don't think Orlando is going to have 20-plus. And I think Houston-Arlington could be a low-scoring, ugly game. So Chris Zook is not quite as comfortable (laughs) as he once was. Now, Zook, your thoughts on this from a what-if standpoint. Is there anything I'm missing that I need to clarify? I'm not sure. Because that's a lot. Yeah, you spun me around a little bit here. It's tough. And remember, these... Watch back. Rewind the video. Right. (laughs) You're going to have to. Remember, the stats or the scores on the screen right now don't really matter. This is an example. It's all about the plus minus points. Plug your number in. Whatever you think it's going to be. It's a simple formula. If you want to rewind the video, this is the formula. Plug any number in to that Orlando score. Does not matter what St. Louis scores. Right? Add seven. That's where you need Vegas to be. Add six. That's where you need Houston to be. Add two. That's where you need Arlington to be. Do it all over again. Plug in a Vegas number. Does not matter what Seattle scores. You need six more than Houston. You need two more than Arlington. You need seven more than Vegas. So basically, Orlando. what you're saying is 
Seattle's defense needs to be the difference yep. to get into the playoffs. I, in Doesn't the most matter. practical we, fashion, think it, 24 from Vegas will get St. Louis in the playoffs, and I mean that. Like you, it, cannot, you cannot mess with that. If you're at 24-25, which is just playing off of what they gave up last time around, right? Which I'm not saying the defense is, is as bad as they were in week three. But you're playing with fire. If you're going 24, 25, 26, and now all of a sudden you're sitting here thinking, oh, man, now, we're, now we need Houston and Arlington and Orlando to take care of business, and, and they're not good offenses by any means. So right. St. Louis fans, a little more hope than you hopefully had going into this show. And there is a scenario that we could go to a sixth tiebreaker. I'm not going to show tell you how. I'm just going to tell you if we get to the sixth tiebreaker, the Seattle Sea Dragons are in because it's, it's net points, which it, that's what should be number four and five. But net points is number six, and Seattle is there easily. And number seven is a coin toss. No, number eight's a coin number. toss. I'm not sure what seven is. Number seven is me and you just fist fight. <laughs> Seattle wins, baby. Let's go. Oh. So that is the disaster that is the XFL North tiebreaker. And I'm out of gas, just like I was on my best bets this week. I already talked about them. DC was up 17. DC was up 11 with a minute left. They didn't cover. And Seattle and St. Louis were the only under of the weekend to hit. Because when A.J. McCarron got the ball back with five minutes left, all I could think is, here we go. This is when the fireworks begin. Nope. He actually threw it right back to Seattle. It was an interception in the end zone. And I thought, wow. Seattle at that point up pretty big. They were up 15. And I'm like, here we go again. Danucci self-destruction. Throw a pick in the end zone. Nope. McCarron threw it right back. I lose the uh, I I hit the or the over forty six is toast. And you should have took money line. <laughs> I save yourself the five bucks or eh, the five units. Whatever, <laughs> I'm all good. And by the way, terrible, terrible, terrible beat for Mikey Mayo. I mean, it is terrible. If, but if I ha- remember exactly, could have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> if I remember exactly, <laughs> and, and we asked Rod Woodson about this. They scored, Zook, to make it 25-21 in the fourth quarter. So he wants the ball back, obviously. So he goes for two and doesn't get it. If you go for one, it's 25-22. You can tie it with a field goal. Your offense is better. They scored three touchdowns. Houston scored two. Maybe you win in overtime. Not Rod Woodson. He told us he went for two because he wanted to win the game by one point. Well, it didn't work out that way because Houston kicked a field goal, and then at the end of the game, they drove down the field. They didn't have any timeouts. They ran out of timeouts. And these players gave their all, and Mikey Manziel lost by the hook. Ah, oh. oh, the hook. All right, so it's not showing on screen right now, but uh, I am 6-3 and three against oh, yeah, the spread. We- Mr. Matt, is, Mr. Matt is nine, nine and nine. nine. Still above 
fifty percent as a show. Yeah, thanks, thanks to you. somebody. <laughs> that that's nine me. and nine. That's me. Thanks. So to I me. really have one week here to make a push. And if I think about the scenarios, well, let, let's run through real quick week ten lines, openers. St. Louis minus eight, hosting Orlando. Over under there is forty seven and a half. DC minus three. At San Antonio. Over under 42. Arlington, a pick 'em, but I think they pushed to minus one. So we'll say Arlington's a favorite. Over under 42. Seattle, eight and a half point favorite. Over under 47. I think once they find out these tiebreaker situations, the St. Louis defense is going to go balls to the wall, and 47's a big number. Right? Unless yeah. it's the opposite, and maybe they think, well, we got to score 40. Well, Does it matter? Can they score 40, first of all? This offense doesn't look good. You just stay away from the total. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, DC minus three is enticing. It is enticing. Uh, they like, will not rest their starters. Uh, Houston being a dog play. surprised me. I texted you about it. Yeah. What? Monday. Yeah. I text you about it Monday. Crazy to me. Really? Yeah. I, just, I, I wouldn't say so just because of Arlington's effort against DC. I think they, they showed that they can score. And Luis Perez, Luis Perez runs a different system. And you even saw on the pick six, uh, Stoops calls over the receiver and says, you cannot do a double move and tells Perez it wasn't his fault right, right there. So. Yeah, Did I'm they a, find a quarterback that can win them an XFL South championship? Potentially. Got to beat them twice. I'm just looking at the fact that. Oh. Is that the thinking? Arlington wins this one because Houston, whatever. Houston, just to reiterate the South, because we went through the North and we got in the weeds there. Arlington wins their in. If Houston, um, or excuse me, if Arlington loses, to Houston, San Antonio needs to beat D.C., and then they can get in at 4-6. and six. Um, Is the thinking Arlington wins this one and loses the playoff game because more motivation for Houston in the playoffs? Maybe that's why they're favored. I don't think they'd be favored if it was a playoff game. I don't know. I'm not going to foreshadow my bet, but lot. if I was going to pick one right now, which I normally don't do, I wait, yeah. I wait till Thursday to make mm-hmm. my bets, uh, unlike Smart. other people. Injury news has been throwing right. us off. Uh, I do like Houston being a one-point dog at this point. One of the first times, I believe, you're going to get them as a dog all season. They were favored against St. Louis. Lost. They were favored against Seattle. They lost. I think the only time they were an underdog all season was against D.C. Speaking of dogs. Or were they even an underdog against D.C.? Who knows? Uh, wow. <laughs> Guess back. I, she won't ditch the wig until she hits one. That's right. She's going to get uh, really yeah, big. Yeah, I was going to say, this one missed by we missed four two, and a half points. Two out of three. Yeah. Actually, no, one for three, because Vegas didn't hit. That's what I mean. We missed two oh, out yeah, of three. Oh, yeah, missed two out of three. Piper missed Yeah, two. this one was close. That, it's crazy to think DC Moneyline was in question, too. I don't know what happened there at the end, but Piper's trying, just like me, at nine and nine, and I guess I really got one more week of the regular season to do You must have rubbed her. off on her. I talked enough tonight. I, I am just so exhausted. I don't think I've ever been more tired from a show. I've been on the road seven out of nine weeks, and I just <laughs> went through the, the tiebreaker Tuesday of my life. We're still going to be back on Thursday. For Mikey Manzel, now in Studio Z. Hope you enjoyed his segment. 
For Chris Hook in the control room, I am Maddie Fresh. We are entering the last week of the regular season. So don't you ever forget, there is no such thing as football season. We'll see you Thursday, guys. Take it easy. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.